Welcome to everyone's favorite podcast, It's Reclaimed Audio, with your hosts, Phil Pinsky, Bill Lutz, and Tim Sway. Welcome everybody to this week's episode of Reclaimed Audio. This is episode 182 for May 7th, 2019. This week's top Patreon supporters are Make, Build, Modify, Lakeside Woodcrafter, Stu Morrison, The Godfather, Jimmy DeResta, Scott Turner, Greg Mead, Chad Grossclaws, Shane Bronson, Keith Decent, Ryan Ridgely, Jeff Shaw, Infinite Craftsman, LiquidRC.com, Mike Jeffcoat, Jim Bashirs, Paul Jackman, the boys over at Maybe I've Said Too Much, Creator Nader, Wesley Treat, Rob Ray, and Gangi and Pop Pop Makerspace. Who I'd Gentlemen. like to point out are making up for the fact, Phil, that you and I aren't really doing anything at all lately. Yeah, I read that email too. Nice yeah. guys. Um, what are we working on? If you had to answer which you do, Bill Lutz. Uh, just reading the emails from Gangi and Pop Pop. Okay, Tim, what are you working on? That is Bill's full-time job now. Yeah. He is a readers. He quit the airport. He's got his readers on. Yeah. <laughs> he's got progressive lenses in, and he's, uh, you know, looking over the clock, looking down at the emails. <laughs> um, that is a full-time gig, yeah. It is, it is. I did not go to the shop today because uh, it finally it rained all weekend, and it was I needed to, like, do yard work, and it was just raining. So I went to the shop yesterday, and today I, I stayed home, and I, like, started getting the yard springified finally and now that it's halfway through may and uh, well i've been doing that i mean i could have said that i did yard work this weekend yeah i couldn't this weekend so i did today that's why i'm just i mean if if you if we were doing this podcast yesterday i've been talking about shop stuff i would talk about guitars but since today was thank god it's today (laughs) hey you know i saw i saw the uh i saw the little story about your very first guitar that's in the library and you're redoing it and i looked at that as you were showing it up close i'm like yep i can do better than that yeah so if i can um, do better than that i know you can yeah it was really i was surprised i remember you know when i made those those guitars like four years ago that i i wasn't using any templates i wasn't i was just making them like i had no measurements in mind or anything and it was everything was like oh this is it was like the wrong this for the wrong that and i remember like because like to get the bridge on and get the angle i remember wedging i remember all of that and i was like looking back and i was like oh my god and i was like this is this is not good <laughs> i need to do something what, about Eric, this but, what i said terribly was that um uh your guitars now are so much more professional i mean they look they're like oh my gosh amazing type guitars and yeah. looking at that one it's like wow you you really did just start building these not that long ago so yeah it's it's been uh, exactly I, I was like kind of like oh i've come a long way in four years and i, I was looking at it, i thought it was longer than four years ago that i made that and i realized how little amount of time it was i i was like oh well, that's you know um that's pretty good i guess you know that was my that was i believe my first six string guitar i ever made um, I did. Ex- I did make one. I made a seven-string guitar back like 25 years ago when I was in that wood shop and I was learning. Um, I made a couple of bases. I made one guitar that had seven strings and it didn't turn out. And so it doesn't really count because it didn't turn out. But um, were you li- hoping that seventh string would find that thirteenth note? Exactly. I was looking for that. 13th I had that note. same awful joke in my head too. Yeah. But Phil <laughs> not to say it. Yeah. Mediocre minds think alike, you know. <laughs> hey. But 
But so part of um, when I was doing my outdoor, uh, you know, yard work and stuff today, I, I have a gate, like a, a wooden fence that goes around our yard around like there's like kind of a seven foot drop off into our driveway because our, our house is kind of built into a hill and there's a gate that that goes there. What are you, a hobbit? Pretty much. Yeah, we're pretty much hobbits. Um, no, it's just we have a our house is built on a hill. It's just a ranch, but our basement's a walkout basement, and the driveway goes down at basement level to the, the, the walkout drive out. Okay, I got it. It's a drive out right, basement, not a walkout. Okay. So uh, like so, just our driveway's down low, and then the house kind of comes up around it. But um, but so I I mended a gate, and um, I use I thought it'd be fun to use a handsaw because I had to cut a couple pieces of wood, and so I used just a handsaw and practiced with that a little bit. What else? So I got my outdoor shower working. That was nice. So I was doing some stuff. I was making some stuff, kind of. Speaking of hands, I also saw on Instagram you uh, did your uh, every guy can build one guitar kit thing with just basic tools as opposed to the CNC. Yes, I, I've, I haven't launched it yet, but um, like the kits that we were talking about, I think, last week, um, I'm still waiting on this one switch that I had forgotten to order that I'm still waiting for it to show up so the kits will be complete. Um, and uh, but I've, I built my guitar. I had one of those switches laying around that I needed, and um, and the, the video will go out next Sunday. Um, and so the the video that's going to go out on the YouTube channel is like a typical guitar build video. It's like a you know seven or eight minutes long, and I just kind of show a bunch of the steps, you know, like I, like one of my normal videos. But then the behind the scenes uh, video that will come with the purchase of the template or the kit is uh, it ended up being three videos. It's more than 90 minutes of instructional uh, uh, video about making guitars. So I really, I, I deep dive on a lot of nerdy stuff in there. And like I do, I do fret recrowns and levels. I do, you know, the whole wiring thing. I go into yeah, all. Yeah, but this is, this is going to, this is going to give somebody that's never done it before the courage to actually do it. And it's, it's that kind of information well, that's the, that that's exactly, exactly. That's, that's right. the idea. And so the idea of the video is like, you know, here's this kit, everything you need to make a guitar is in here. Go ahead and make it. And then when you're done and it's terrible, then take it apart and make another one because you can use all these parts again. Like you know, or wait four years and then just redo it. Or wait four years and say, oh my god, I can do better than that. But that's the idea: is to get you started and to eliminate that, right? That um, some of that, you know, just just a leg up on it. So I shared it with some of my patrons, um, and to get some feedback, and I've got a little bit of feedback from them. There's a couple of little things I'm going to try to do before I launch it. Um, and like one of one of my uh, David, one of my my patrons, he. He watched it all at two times speed because it's like 90 minutes long. I appreciate anybody taking the time to do that without having the kit in their hands. And uh, he said he watched it at two times speed and he said, yeah, I feel like I could make that. I feel like I can make a guitar now, he said. So I was like, oh, that's really wow. awesome. I'm, I'm glad I'm glad you have uh, patrons to do that because if you'd have asked me or Phil to watch 90 minutes worth of you one, no, I don't think Hard I could no. have done that. Yeah. Yeah, no. no, I wouldn't have. I wouldn't have even asked you. I, I wanted my friends to help me with it, you know? <laughs> so I went there instead. Yeah, what are you up to, Phil? What are you up to in Winnipeg, Manitoba? Uh, I am here for business. I the actually spent State. a day in Winnipeg. What's that? <laughs> the Sunshine State. <laughs> yeah, or the Sunshine Province. Province. Sunshine Province. Um, so I'm here for the day, and then uh, we're drive making the drive to Regina, Saskatchewan tomorrow. Uh, tomorrow yeah. morning. This is you so. got We got to bleep that now. We can't say that on our podcast. It's Wasn't a there a Seinfeld a, episode? <laughs> there was a Seinfeld episode where he he, he couldn't remember the name of the girl. Yeah, that was yeah. Dolores. <laughs> Dolores. Dolores. It wasn't Dolores. It was it was it was Dolores. It was, Dolores. It was, it was Regina. Mulva. Mulva. <laughs> no, it was Regina. No, it 
was not Regina. It was Dolores. That would have been one of the incorrect names he tried. It it rhymes with a certain female anatomy part, Bill. When you get older, I'll teach you what it is. (sighs) No! Okay. I don't know. I lost (laughs) both of you guys for a second, so I'm going to... Oh, there you're back. Okay. Um... Okay, so, and then I'm in Regina for the rest of the week, and then I'm flying out of Winnipeg again, so i got to make the drive back. Um, but I'm, I'm, my next video, which I'm sort of getting uh, a thirst for, a hunger for, if you will, is going to combine two of my passions. One, recently, uh, for a long time, I've been really digging on electronics, um, and of course, I'm super into Reclaimed. So I'm going to do a Reclaimed Electronics project. I'm going to take... Uh, nice! Yeah. I'm going to take an old uh, piece of tech, and I'm going to create a new project box out of it, and then build a uh, actually a lab bench power supply. Like one of the first things we oh, get nice. into electronics is, a, is a, basically a variable power supply. And I mm-hmm. have all the components for it, but I've got to build an enclosure. So I'm going to take an old... Uh, an old uh, internet switch, but like a really like a what's it called again? Like a real one. It's not like a home one. It's a commercial switch. It has like uh, 16 or 32 ports on it, but it's basically a big piece of sheet metal that I'm gonna bend and turn into an enclosure. Cool. And I'll see at the same time as any capacitors or components or you know linear voltage regulators or anything I can take out of it. And uh, awesome. so it'll be fun. A little I- little combination. I've been learning a, a ton about electronics because I have this other project I've been working on uh, for my Carolina uh, boots now that the sale is over that yeah. involves electronics and I've basically just been messing everything up and I've learned a whole bunch but I ended up buying like um, uh, voltage uh, step ups and yeah and, 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 and I've been and I've been getting into it like I've been really and I was thinking about you like the whole time as I was like oh well then if I try this and then I'd be like oh this isn't because th- there's a whole problem basically you can't <laughs> I can't. I don't want to reveal the project. No, I can't tell talk, me. I can't talk too much about it. But um, yeah. There's like there's basically what I was trying to do can't be done. <laughs> so, Anything so, uh, can be done. Anything well, can be done. And you'll expel heat. What are you trying to do? Yeah, I'll I'll tell you about it later. Ah, you'll tell see. me later. Fine. You'll see. It's just it just has to do with interference um, because it's it's music okay. related and there was just there's noise interference I couldn't get around. That's all. So uh, yeah. So that's just that's just improper grounding, Tim. It's improper grounding. You're getting a ripple wave. It's probably what no. I, I wasn't allowed to go out with my friends or, or watch TV or anything. I was. <laughs> you were grounded properly. Oh, boom! <laughs> but I'm, I'll be here all week. All right. <laughs> all right. So anyway. Phil's got a craving for making, and uh, Tim's going to be here all week. I'm glad uh, to be here, a part of this whole thing. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see if you make it through the episode. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So. Uh, this week's topic is called Failing Third Grade Again, and uh, that's just a funny topic, but what we're talking about is is the basics, right, and how as we develop in our making career, we start taking some of these, these things for granted and just either operate based on a series of basics we believe to be true or ignore basics because, yeah, I've been around the block, I know what I'm doing, so... And and uh, actually, we, as always, we kind of come up with the, the topic of the name, the name of the topic first, and then we kind of build a topic around it. But what prompted uh, this topic specifically was uh, I was thinking about uh, Chris Solomon and his uh, 
his four eyes that's the name of the youtube maker and one of his first videos was a coffee table that kind of didn't really adhere to a lot of the basics like it didn't it wasn't symmetrical and it was kind of thin with regard to its legs and so it didn't feel like it could you know bear a lot of weight or any of that stuff and for him it was really a learning exercise and you kind of see all the things that he quote unquote did wrong um, and it was an interesting exercise in just understanding why symmetry is important why um, giving legs the proper chunkiness out of wood is important and you know and why three legs that are asymmetrical can be more um, stable than four legs etc cetera, etc cetera. anyway so I thought that it, it brought up a good idea with regard to a specific topic name and uh, and I, I thought we'd uh, take it from there so uh, do that all, all right, right. Um, a recent example I, or most recent example I can think of, and it's it's funny because I'm I'm the oldest here, and yeah, I, I discover these things usually long before I ever start making it. I mean, you start seeing whether it's a design characteristic that's just not going to look good if it's uh, if it's just something that's not going to work. Uh, as far as like you said, you know, the, the legs are too skinny or. It doesn't, things don't always have to be symmetrical in order to work. You can build things that are asymmetrical. Um, but I, I did not adhere to some of those basics, and I didn't think it through. And I tried to make – when I made Casey's uh, office desk, it was kind of like a 50s modern style-esque, shall we say. I used hairpin legs on one on the writing table, but I used hairpin legs on one side of her desk, an actual writing desk. And I made these little legs, the first sentence in the video. Um, but just the pieces that I decided to use, the scraps, and the way I glued them together, it, it was just, and I knew that going into it, it was just not going to bear the weight of this desk. And so even after I glued them and I went to go screw them on, they actually literally just popped apart. And so I had to redo those. I, I explained that in the, in the video. And if that's what you're talking about, then then yeah, something then like had, that. Then you failed third grade again. Similar. Yeah. Um, you know what? I think those things are important. So right, you, like that is a visceral experience that you will always uh, remember, and, and and it'll just come to you every time you're building anything. So I have a similar example. One of the first things I ever built was this coffee table, and I was trying to copy it from uh, I saw West Elm Design, and it was uh, it was basically a pallet. Uh, pallet coffee table, but I did it a little bit differently. I mitered every single edge of the top and every single edge of the skirt and legs so that it all glued together seamlessly. So the edges and the end grain were glued together and so this thing had no ability to expand and contract. Looked amazing, though, I bet. so good. It does look cool. I stayed at grain, and and, uh, I stayed at gray, and I did a couple of coats of polyurethane on top, and, you know, I'd be like, wow, I'd pay 1,500 bucks for that. I was like, thanks, that's Mm. cool. And then maybe, I want to say, a year and a half in. One season. Upstairs. Yeah. I heard, like, a gunshot go off out of the basement. And, and the thing had cracked down the middle because it, it just, boom, you know, like it just it, it violently tore itself apart. And, uh, and so now I remember, oh, yeah, you got to account for seasonal uh, expansion and contraction. Yeah, when I do builds like that with like the waterfall edges and whatnot, yeah. I, I make them out of plywood and I just veneer them with the reclaimed wood because that wood is so 
and that way the plywood does the work and if and the, if the wood does expand and contract a little bit it might open up some seams here and there but for the most part it won't because it's glued to the plywood you know right. so it kind of and it's thin you know I, I usually slice it into like so it's less than a half inch thick or you know but i so i don't even think it's the waterfall portion that was the problem because i could have done dowels or something and only glued mm. in certain parts but it was also that the edges were were stuck also like i was giving it no room to go anywhere because the expansion oh right because it was on all four sides yeah right yeah. so it could have expanded contracted by itself the waterfall portion like it was good it was the fact that it was stuck and i had a it was attached to everything else yeah that it was attached mm. to uh and it just wasn't going anywhere the whole and, thing was like a rich and you made it out of pallets the whole thing was pallets. Yeah, so and I'm assuming pallet, you did made it a small pallet and then skinned it with more pallet yeah. wood. And this stuff is violent wood to begin with, right? It's high tension. And wood. you had no idea how dry it was. It could have been like 20% moisture when you made it. Who knows? You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah, like if you didn't test it, which I'm assuming you didn't because it was your first table and nobody tested yeah, their first I table. Even, I still don't, <laughs> no, I still don't have a hygrometer. You guys use I've, that? I bought one uh, a couple years ago because. It was. It, yeah. I was starting to mess around with um, locally sawn, so okay. you know. But yeah, I mean, and then like it gets really humid in my yeah. shop, and sometimes I check it in the uh, some of my inventory in the summer. But okay. So th so these are like you know geometry, right? Basic basic like you know math type things that are failing. What about um, what about aesthetically things that you can make that are pleasing to you? And are not to the person who paid for it, because that's that's its own failure, right? I mean, you well, think that's a, that's a basic, also, right? Like it doesn't matter what you like; it's what the customer likes when they're paying for a commission. Yeah. Well, and it well it depends upon how you approach. I mean, the expectations part of it too. And we've talked about that before. If if yeah. you tell, like, I try to make it like, look, okay, I have an idea of what you want, but I'm going to interpret that, so you're going to get what I make. That's part of how I do it. That's why I don't do a lot of commissions because not a lot of people will pay for that. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I mean, there's been times if you're not on the same page, you know, it's like somebody says, hey man, I want, you know, can you make, I want it to look just like this and I'll look at, like they'll show you a picture of something. We all love that, right? They'll show you a picture of something. It's like, yeah, I can do something like that. How much? And you agree upon a price and then in my mind, I'm going to, I'm going to give them that concept and it's going to be so much better. It is, I mean, so what you're really trying to do is you're trying to force your taste, your design idea down their throat. And what and they just, want is what they saw the picture of. That's what they want. Yeah. And, and it's just. low res Pinterest pick. Yeah. That's 200 <laughs> by 200 pixel. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, and it really, it comes down to style and aesthetics because, you know, you think, and Tim, I think you've said this many times that you will actually get. In the conversation with your customers, you get pictures of the room it's going to go in, the opposite side of the room, so you can get a feel for what, are, because obviously people are going to put things in their house that they like, and, and they want something that's going to kind of go with that flow, right? Yeah, I feel like that's a super valuable tool. And, you know, it's, it's funny, sometimes people don't want to give you a picture of their inside of their home, like they're afraid that when you see that picture, you're going to be able to go and steal everything or something. I don't really know, like you're going to steal that's their soul. That's the way it works. But uh, maybe it is, but um, other people get, do. But it's weird. Sometimes when I, you know, hey, well, let me see a picture of the room it's going to live in. And then you just never get it. They send you all these Pinterest pictures instead. And it's just like, what are you afraid of? Like, just pick up your phone. Everybody has a, there's a beautiful high-res camera in your pocket. Just, like, you know, don't just don't take a picture of your mailbox with the address on it, And you know, if you're really worried. But um, but uh, it, it's you learn so, so, so much about the client and their taste and the colors and the light. <laughs> 
you know, from just that one simple, like, iPhone pick. And it just, like, it tells you everything. It's like, oh, okay, well, this customer, you know, and it, I don't want to, like, kind of sound like a jerk, but, like, you can also t- kind of tell what their budget is, you know. <laughs> well, that, but, but that's useful information. I mean, that's going to save is, you time and effort. Them. If that room is full of a bunch of, like, used Ikea furniture with, like, cat litter boxes stacked up all on top of it, then you're probably not going to be making them a high-end piece, you know. So then come in right. with your idea and your design based on what you see. God, I can make you exactly. a coffee table for 100 bucks. But now if they have all this beautiful, and Taylor, that's, I think that's clothes. I don't even know who I'm thinking of. But, you know, yeah, all this either. beautiful Queen Anne, maybe? furniture. Queen Anne, I think. It's like a Queen Anne couch. And they have, like, you know, or all these, like, super modern amenities and, like, you know, a stainless steel grill and countertops and all this stuff. You're like, oh, well, now we're, you know, we know that they're in a higher echelon of budget and you have a sense of their taste and style. And, and a lot of times I'll look at the picture and I'll be like, you know what? I don't want this customer. Like, not because, like, I don't think I can make any money on it, but because I don't think I can make something good enough for them. Uh, that mm-hmm. I'll, I'll walk away from stuff because I'll be like, you know what? This is. It, so so you are, is a, you've, already, you've already accepted failure before you even tried. It's not that I've accepted failure. I've accepted that I don't want to be married to this person for three months through the design <laughs> process. Like when you see that it's a strategic retreat, right? You see, you get the you get a couple emails like because you get an email like oh I want it to be like this and that and the other and you're like okay and then you get it you, then you get another email where it's like exactly different like the exact opposite or it mm-hmm. gets you send them a picture of a sample and they say oh I like that but can you take a picture of just the little tiny left corner because it's like oh, I'm out like that's you know like this yeah. is not yeah, yeah, yeah. this is not what I want to do like Too I don't much. care how much. I don't care how much you pay. And, I, and you know, I've gotten stuck in those situations enough to know I don't want to be in those situations. Yeah. Which is interesting because now yeah. I'm doing guitars now, and, and that's like people with their guitars are real funny. So I, I, there's a, that level in the guitars too, you know. Mm-hmm. So it's a, a new place to figure it out. So what, what about the opposite? Yeah. Yeah, so what about the opposite? What What success have you had in – coaxing and directing and changing somebody's opinion because that's kind of where i'm i'm a little bit more I, I set it up that way to begin with but i can really bend somebody's idea of what they thought they want into something i want to give them right or, or make for them have you had any success like that where it's like you see the room you got an idea the price isn't an issue it's just that what they want's just going to be just ugly you know it's just just it's not even going to go in the stuff with what they have have you ever had a success story where it's like okay i'm not going to build what you want i'm gonna i'm gonna coax you into something has that ever happened because that's happened to me and and the same thing it's managing their expectations where half you know a quarter way through the build you say hey look check this out this is how it's going so far you know and i was thinking blah 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 halfway through the build you know what now that we were doing this check this out and then you know as you keep going along you're just getting them more excited about it because some people think they want a square table in a room that's filled with nothing but circles right you got you got around the corners a little bit at least yeah that's i've i've had I've had some some of those situations where people they've seen something that I make because sometimes people don't they lack the imagination maybe, mm-hmm. um, and so they'll see something that I made and they'll like it, but what they actually like is is the room it's in, you know what I mean? Like because they see the picture of the, like the final reveal picture or whatever and they're like oh I, I right. love that table and so the room is like say the room is all grays and tans you know and then there's this really dark brown coffee table that I made in the middle of it and like oh, I love that coffee table I want and then you cut to their room and you get that interior shot and you see that the colors are totally different everything's like cleaner and, and, and starker and so it's like okay well what you want is you want to incorporate warmth into your room uh, you, you know but you don't know 
like I can't just grab this this piece of warmth and put it in. It's not gonna match. So they're like, oh, why don't we why don't we go towards this tone and why don't we add this? And you, and you kind of play. And I'm not an interior designer. To, and my wife will attest to that. But but I, you know you just kind of like kind of try to coax them into a color palette that maybe makes more sense. Or like, oh, you know what? I don't think you'll like that pallet wood. Pallet wood's kind of junky. Like I have this really nice barn wood, and now what I'm really doing is I'm saying that this wood's gonna look better in that room than that wood. You know, but I say, like, this is going to be a higher quality wood. The cost is the same. You know, it's going to get a nicer finish. It's going to be more durable. I'll come to some reason to use this material instead of the material that was in that Pinterest picture, you know. Right, right. The opposite side of that is um, is Tim Taylor syndrome. You know, Tim the Toolman Taylor. Oh, yeah. We're going to rewire it. Right? And add so more power. into him, and she's like, um, hey, could you fix the blender? And he's like, uh, yeah, no problem. But I'm going to add more power, right? Yeah, so yeah, yeah. Like, Mustang a, like an inline four with uh, 150 <laughs> horse in it, right? Yeah. And and then it just destroys. Uh, you can't get any anything usable out of it. But the point is, is they came in there with some simple little idea, and then me, the genius, comes up with, oh yeah, well I'm going to turn it into seven stories of beautiful, and I'm going to add this, and then I present it thinking that I just gave them an upgrade, and really they're going. Okay, but I just wanted like a little thing. Couldn't we have just yeah. done that? I and just, I'm definitely I wanted not paying a, for yeah. that. I, I just wanted yeah, a coaster, I, I, you know. I wanted <laughs> I a pencil a, holder. You built me a yeah. desk, right? Yeah. Right, right, exactly. right. Yeah, that. So yeah, that's that a, side of managing the expectation, right? Because you think that you're offering something way more when really the the element is what they wanted to be in, like that small little thing or whatever it is, right? Maybe you made it smaller and they wanted it bigger, but your idea maybe didn't match what theirs was, and then ultimately. Totally. Yeah, I, yeah, I mean that that happens in a lot of situations. Most recently, uh, Christmas time this year, I had the bright idea. Casey was struggling with what to get their her mom and dad for Christmas, and I thought, well, here's something you can get for both of them. I think I might have mentioned this, but uh, an ex- this is uh, Nespresso uh, single cup coffee maker, right? Because they idea. they well, yeah, because they have this they have this uh, coffee machine. It grinds the beans at four o'clock in the morning, and then it makes a pot of coffee. And they don't drink the whole pot, and the thing wakes them up. And they, you know, this is the information that's coming into my head from mom and dad, right? Yeah. So they've got this loud thing with the grinds the beans, and it wakes them up, and they never drink the full pot, and all they want Nespresso, single cup coffee. I mean, George Clooney, right? George Clooney, yeah, and they open it up, and the, but all right, yeah. Well, he does the commercials for him, oh, so yeah, he's like. Yeah. But anyway, so um, it's got to be a great gift for her parents. And as soon as mom and dad opened it up, dad pulls it out. And immediately, he's looking at it like this is way too much money because you know his daughter cannot spend money on him. That doesn't mm-hmm. work that way, right? And her mom walks by, and the first thing she says, "I hope that's not one of them things that takes them pods." And I'm like, "Oh dear lord!" <laughs> I kept the receipt. Don't worry. <laughs> oh no, it's in our kitchen right now. We use it every day. <laughs> <laughs> Is it one of those I things you use those pods? Are so which pods? which uh, Casey does? You use Casey does. She, she Casey. Oh, not me! No, no, no! I swear! I swear! Listen, listen! Casey, not only does she like the Nespresso espresso machine with the little pods, but she has now because her mom and dad didn't want it the single cup coffee with the bigger pods. I personally, I have a Black and Decker coffee pot that goes off at five a.m. and I drink can whatever coffee. I get fancy. I get like you know Don Jose or something, or or uh, Dunkin' Donuts. They're on sale. Mm. Yeah. What well, Tim? Were you talking about the single pod like it was wasteful because the Nespresso ones are mostly metal that then get recycled? Right. I know that some of them are better than than the. I mean, like the original K cups were like. You know, oh, this. The worst. Yeah, this ain't no K cup or Keurig. We're talking Nespresso. 
Tim. Right. I figured, I figured if your wife if your wife was involved in the purchase, I was I figured it was okay. Yeah. 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 <laughs> I I have a Keurig machine, but all of our the pods we use are all biodegradable. They're uh, right. Yeah. They they fix that problem too. Or, if, but you have to buy them. Like some people won't spend the extra two cents or whatever for the. I, they're cheap. Are they all the are they all bi- whatever. biodegradable now? They, all right. Let's uh, let's rein this in a little bit here. The McDonald's uh, Kate Curry cups are biodegradable. And hey, listen, so I'm, I, I'm an American. I want to buy something, and I want to throw something away in the process. And if you don't like it, <laughs> get out. Get out. <laughs> so, so bringing this around to our advantage, have you ever done something like that on purpose, right? Overdone something, made it uh, for a wife or a friend, knowing that they'd hate it so you can have it? No, that's horrible. No, but I have done it, not thinking that I'd get it. But I, I've, you know, I've done it, yeah, by accident for sure. But yeah, uh, oh, yeah, yeah. And they're like, I don't like. That's not what I wanted. I was, and then you know, I told, I super I, frustrated. You're right. It's a, it's an accident. Like when I bought the table saw for Casey, it was like, you don't, <laughs> you don't want the table saw. Oh, like, like I'm you, sorry, like babe. You bought the Nespresso machine for your in-laws. Yeah. Right. <laughs> but he doesn't even use an Nespresso machine. The table saw, I believe. Um, back to the topic, which doesn't really matter, I guess, but. No, no, we're talking. <laughs> like, seriously, you know. Um, so, uh, there was something, that the first thing that popped in my head when we were talking about failing third grade again, and you were talking about the, the four eyes uh, example, was um, yeah. the golden ratio. You're familiar yep. with? You know, and mm-hmm. that was when I first started making furniture, um, I would, I would like, look that up. So, uh, whoa, 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 whoa. I, I've, I'm 100 years old. What's the golden ratio? It's older uh, than it's, Yeah, it's, it's older than you, so it's... <laughs> It's um, it's who was it? Pythagorean, one of those guys. I don't know that came up with uh, this this Fibonacci. basic. Yeah. Oh, Fib- was it Fibonacci? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. It's yeah. Uh, it's uh, I don't really know how to explain it mathematically, but it's basically like it's like it's proportions that work, and there's a mathematical. So like if you, it's like one Fibonacci one sequence. The Fibonacci right? sequence, the the spiral. So it's basically like if you have like a, you're making a, a table, and you have one side is is one foot long, if you make the other side. Uh, you multiply that by 1.6, I think it is. I don't something remember. Like that. Yeah, uh, something like that. And then it, it, that gives you a dimension that will make that rectangle pleasing. And um, and so it's just this. He, I guess he, Fibonacci. That makes sense. He's sort of studied ratios and and stuff of things that people made in nature, and he found this like number. It's just like the, it's like the golden rule, the golden ratio for like if you want to figure out the proportions for making something, put them into this calculator and say, okay. So like, there's a reason why coffee tables are two feet by three foot. Like the the so many of them are like that because you know or whatever the actual inches are is so maybe an inch or two shorter because that see this is interesting because ratio. I've never heard of this before and I bet you most people that are getting into just making things haven't heard of something like that so there's an actual absolutely absolutely there's that, a rule behind that oh my god we're providing content that our listeners can use <gasps> shut it down. All right, turn it off. Okay, so, anyways. So the golden rights. ratio. You know what's funny so, is Izzy, I haven't watched it yet, but Izzy just posted today a video strictly about design. And if there's anybody I think you could learn from something, here's some content for you all. Watch Izzy Swan's design video because, I, I mean, yeah, the guy's yeah. he knows, guy knows, he knows all of that stuff. Yeah, all that right. stuff. So, you know, it's not to say that, like, every time you make a rectangle, it has to fit into that golden ratio for it to work but it's a good place to 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 aim for because it's gonna tried and true for thousands of years it's gonna be a a shape that's pleasing so but what happens is that that sounds like symmetry 
it, it's yeah, but it's, it's not parallel, but it's it's balance. I would say rather than symmetry. B- okay, balance, right? And, um, and so that helps you get some kind of. And there's you can break it down to like the the, the, the legs and the how wide they should be for how high. I mean, you can exactly. use these this this mathematical equation to figure out all this stuff to make proportions work. And you look at like like say like um like real typical like craftsman furniture like sh- or like Quaker and Shaker furniture. Shaker, right? That's right. like that's golden ratio out the wazoo, right? Because it's all and and and. It works for us, and we're used to it. It's been around for hundreds well, of years. What's funny then, is that if you, you go like, if you go back a little older than that, then the Queen Anne style of furniture is not that because you have no, a, it, a large box on top with very slim, spindly looking uh, supports. Yeah, that's true, and there's a lot of curves and 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 shapes right. and stuff. Um, and I I think that's because like the technology in the in the craft was driving but then you get into the mid-century modern and the same thing happens you have the skinny legs and you have the in the larger top right now right it's, but it's all the ornamentation's gone because that was the style but it, it i bet you if we were to sit and really analyze like queen Anne stuff i bet you we could find all sorts of examples of this historical measurements that are being used subconsciously i, I hear you. so when i when i first started making coffee tables and, and whatnot i would i would shoot for that golden ratio and then uh, but then I would always be nervous about like, oh, well, this leg's not thick enough or, you know, and I'd end up blowing it because I'd be, I would like my overbuild mentality would kick in. I'd be like, oh, it's not thick enough. It's not strong enough. I'd overbuild it. And then there were times that I underbuilt and stuff didn't work. But I, t- I tell you what, man, it's, <laughs> there's a reason it's been around for a long time. It, it really helps. And when you're in a pinch and you're having trouble with the design, like just like look up some of these tried and true. I'm sure there's other ones I can't think of. Oh, like the rule of thirds is almost the same with photography. Um, mm-hmm. If you have your, your picture, there's the rule of thirds. You divide the picture into three, like the horizontal version of your photograph, and you divide it into thirds. And you want to have, um, you know, so you don't want to have anything centered in, in the picture. That's bad composition. But if you put it on the line in one of those thirds, like that's a better like composition. Um, mm-hmm. Things like that. Like, uh, and so you, if you look at photographs that are, that are pleasing, and if you look at art that's pleasing, a lot of these rules are there. And there's a reason they're there. And sometimes artists know about it and study, and sometimes they don't. I would have to say that this sounds like something that is one set of rules to follow. It's a set of rules to follow. I, I, I can't imagine as, that it's the only set of rules to follow. Oh, absolutely. Oh, absolutely. There's, I mean, yeah. that's when I talk about being like the 13th note, we even talked about it earlier. Like, there's, right. the, there's, there's a set of rules that you follow in, in writing music that have been around since. Well, they, they evolved, you know, throughout the course of the, you know, and, and they got more complicated and stuff, and they continue to. But so, like, musicians like me who are looking for the, quote, 13th note, we're taking those rules and, and we're breaking them. And, and I've always been a rebel, and I've always wanted to break rules, but one of the things that I, I like, I've been, I was fighting for the first half of my life, and now the second half of my life I embrace is that people would always tell you, well, you have to learn the rules before you can break them. Right. Yeah, you know, I think calling it a rule is kind of a, a bit of a misnomer. I think more than anything, if you look backwards and you analyze all of the art pieces, for example, that we inherently are drawn to, what we're recognizing is more of a pattern and less of a go-forward rule, but more of something that we recognize is pleasing and that we inherently are drawn to, and then we take that and we turn it into a rule. So breaking it yeah. is not breaking a rule, but rather it's, it's moving it's away creating- from the conventional pattern. Potentially creating a new rule. Yeah. But you have but wouldn't you have to be basing that on a subset of opinions, right? I mean, a certain it's area. Uni- it's universal, right? Like it. It's well, but how do you how do you get that how do you get that data though? I mean, I'll tell you how exactly would you know how. enough people from around the world to be able to say that 
this thirds thing or this golden ratio worked. And I'm not doubting it because it's, I mean, I don't, well, I don't here, know. Here's how, here's how it works. Say there's a, there's a craft fair. And Chris Salomon, I feel like we're throwing this guy under the bus. I don't even know what video you're talking bit, about. A little bit, a little bit. But, you know, he made, I've seen a lot of his stuff, and it's beautiful. But he obviously put this video out because it was a learning experience. Um, but so, if you know, he has this awkward-looking table that's not going to hold anything. And then the guy next to him is a traditional Quaker shaker furniture maker. And they have this, you know, pleasing table that holds all sorts of stuff. And then that one sells and his doesn't. There's your data. Like, you know, I mean, 10, <laughs> ten well, Quaker th- tables that, sell. The this, market dictates. The reason... Yeah. The reason I'm starting to argue a little bit is because I can take some of the the aesthetics of something and break some of the rules to it by using my welder, right? Mm-hmm. And making it so it does provide the support. It's odd looking, it's it's different looking. It's not it's not it's not that it's not unpleasing. It may not be um it may not be common. It looks different and it doesn't look like it should work, but it does. Oh, those are well. That's great. Saying? I mean, there's and there's going to be a client for that. But you know where it's not going to be is at Home Goods or at Target, right? Or at that's, the craft fair. That's what we. I mean, that's and that's what we do. That's. I mean, that's that's why right. people call us, right? When they're looking for something that's not at Home Goods or Target, you make it for them. You try to make it to, yeah, for them the best it. you can. Yeah. You know, I mean, I. That's. I mean, like that's what I. My whole goal is like to find the thirteenth nose and make that thing that doesn't look like it should work and then work and maybe in a hundred years there'll be a new rule. Or not really so, some, something tells me something tells me that I, I, I'm, I'm having to agree with you guys about this ratio thing uh, even even the uh, still in style you'll find them in some stores you take a, a, a rustic-y log looking ladder you lean it up against the wall you hang a couple of patterned blankets on it right yeah, yeah. Um, but there's got to be I think what you're talking about that ratio says that you still have to have it has to be leaning at a certain angle against the wall to be stable or the shelves to do the same thing the shelves that just kind of lean up on the wall imagine that log ladder imagine that the rungs of the ladder were 12 inches in diameter wouldn't work now imagine that they're a quarter inch in diameter okay okay still wouldn't work yeah yeah it's a it's a better balance there's a sweet spot there's a sweet spot to the balance and you Bill I mean if there's a, if any one of the three of us is a natural artist, it's you, and because I I know that you don't have any training, and I see what you do, and you have a great sense of purpose and and uh, proportion and design, and you know this stuff because you live in the world and you look at things and you think about things, and that's what yeah. it's called outsider art or folk art, you know, and that's I mean that's what I am too. Like I didn't really study this stuff either. It's only later in life that I started like going, oh, there's a reason why I did that, you know, um, but uh, it's it's not like a you know this like really wild thing it's like it's already in you you do it you just don't know the numbers i i, I think of um keith decent has made uh and i love this he's made a few of them he takes those old glass electrical um the big glass round oh, the glass insulators Right, and then he takes old bandsaw blades, he makes these squids out of it, right? Yeah, awesome. And the thing looks so like it shouldn't even be able to stand up, but it, it's just amazing at how he, he gets it all put together, and there's this, like this squid made out of blades and a glass thing, I don't know what it's called. Um, I, I don't know, I don't know why I brought that up. Well, that, so, because it, it breaks some rules, right? Those are materials that you normally yeah. wouldn't put together to make. Right. But that's what art is, right? Is putting right. things together right. that you normally wouldn't expect to see together, and that's evocative. And that's the big difference between art and design. I mean, obviously, they, they cross paths a lot. 
but um but you know like an artist is definitely someone that's trying to break those rules and a designer is someone that's trying to make something that's going to fit into the target home goods line most of the time i mean there's obviously a lot of exceptions but yeah but, uh, i i think that's the it's main a, difference it's almost like uh, when you when you go to sell a house how many how many of these home shows you see and they always tell you paint the walls white stage it very neutral because you want you want it semi like a blank canvas so yeah. potential owners are going to walk in and they'll they'll get a little bit of an idea of what the space is but they everybody has to be able to imagine what their house would look like right. but if you have the walls painted different colors how you like it even if it's designed great and some people will like it some people won't and the yeah. person that's not going to like it is the person that may have bought your house that day yeah right, exactly yeah. it's got to be universal okay yeah, okay. if they walk so in and all they can see is that coffee table, whether they love it or hate it, all they can see is that coffee table. They're not going to see the house, you know. So, not, yeah, I, I was going to say, say not everybody can see the forest for the trees, right? So you've exactly. Got to be universal in that. So I like this. So I think we can sum up by saying it's not necessarily a failure if your squid knows how to stage a home for the proper rectangle that Chris Salamone would make. That's what we should have called the episode. Yeah, wait, I can still change it. <laughs> you know, the other thing I wanted to mention, because um, the other thing that popped right in my head as soon as we came up with this topic was, I've mentioned before in this podcast, is the Sagulator. If you Google Sagulator or Sag... Oh, yeah, you told us about it. that. And it's on woodbin.com or something like that. And you type in, you can figure out how long you can make your table without supports. And out of, you type in all the different materials, wood thickness dimensions it works in millimeter and inches and uh in order to tell you if your if your shelf's going to sag and you know right see and, and that to me is is math that's physics that's that's what it's you know it doesn't matter how good you are how much you want this to look right although again you can cheat those things with welding you know i mean using yeah. a welder i can i can make well i mean a floating shelf is that there's cheating right there right yep. yeah all you see yeah. is something there it should not be able to be on the wall but yet it is there and it's got books on it and you're like how does this work it's magic right it doesn't have those basic rules but i guess it really does because does. those they're same inter- rules they're internal they're internal yeah. the, those same rules would apply you yeah, okay. the, the, the rules don't say how you have to do it the rules just say the, the physics rules they just say this is what you need you know well you know what a floating shelf could be screwed up too now that i'm i'm, I'm loving this you guys because it's starting to click in my head how how it could go wrong you build a floating shelf if you build it to where the shelf is eight feet long and you hide a couple of metal rods behind the sheetrock like some people do if those rods are spaced too far apart and you slide that eight foot shelf on it it looks amazing but it too will start to sag a little bit if it's yeah. not spaced right yeah okay yeah. all right i, I can't a, i guess also is is materiality you, you touched on a little bit but the materials of it so when we first start out making for the most part i think we're working right. with pine or whatever other SPF, right? And then as you sort of graduate, and we talked about that before, as you graduate into hardwoods and more expensive material, you forget that, you know, oak is stronger than pine and you can go thinner, more delicate with a top out of a hardwood than you can with pine and that kind of thing. So uh, that's something to remember when when you get to that graduation point is that you can make things more delicate out of stronger material. Mm. Yeah, absolutely, yeah, yeah. Uh, I forgot what I was going to say. Crud. It wasn't crud. 
<laughs> oh, it was about the it was about the floating shelves. I had um I had a gig once where I was making like they wanted these fourteen foot long rustic barn beam floating shelves. It was in a public space too, like an apartment building complex in their public area. They wanted like four or five of these things along this whole wall, and um you know so at first I'm like I'm like yeah sure. And then I just started like kind of looking into the math of it, and I was like, there's no way, just these beams alone are like a hundred pounds a piece. Like, and they want four of them on this wall. Never mind when you start putting books and stuff on them. You start having kids reaching up and trying to grab stuff off them. I just told them, I was like, no, I won't, I won't do it. I, I came up with a very slender, I used like quarter inch by one and a quarter inch steel and created boxes and just painted them neutral or black to kind of just hide them. And I built little stands that went in and various locations. I think I used a sag calculator, but the wood was like two and a half inches thick. That just doesn't sag. (laughs) But, um, but you know, so I, when I, so I put these things in to just kind of add these very skinny, but strong, like, like Bill said, I use my welder to trick, you know, to trick the uh, physics of it. Yeah. Long before I heard the term floating shelves, I had built, done a couple of commission jobs where you go in a house, like, can you just, like, they have a piece, uh, a live edge that they want on the wall. It's like, well, you know what? I can do this. If you let me just rip out the sheetrock, I'll make this look amazing. And the husband's like, yeah. And the wife's like, no. You know, but they ended up letting me do it. They ended up letting me do it. And that's the first thing I did was I built the brackets for it. I ripped out the sheetrock. I installed the brackets directly to the to the wall studs, re-sheetrocked it so everything was hidden literally behind it. I got paid good for this job, too. It was like... 2500 bucks for a shelf it was amazing but it was it was was, yeah it was but it was a lot of work i mean yeah but it ended up looking neat and that's long before i ever heard the term of floating shelf and now now you can buy the little kits for it you screw you know screw the brackets on the wall and the thing slides right over it and i never find those kits to be good they scare me knowing what i know they scare me i can see if it would be if it's going to be something kind of like that you're going to put like a plate (laughs) <laughs> you yeah. know one thing to display on it but yeah. to actually to me a shelf is something you throw stuff on you throw things on your shelf you, you know and, and people are reaching up and yeah I wouldn't trust yeah. like a series of books you know what I mean like a row of books into one of these floating shelves I agree no. with you if you want to put a like a little succulent planter on there and a couple of candles okay fine but yeah. I don't see this thing yeah picture grandma okay. picture grandma maybe your Alexis or Alexa whatever the hell she's called that's it yeah. you know and yeah. another thing to fool the eye is uh, just simple cleat systems for floating shelves. Is yeah, like French cleats. That's a good yeah. one. That I would Absolutely. Trust, yeah, because that's that's a support completely all the, all along the entire length of the shelf. Yeah. So, but if you paint that French cleat the same color as the wall, it's almost invisible, but way stronger. But you can well, also if you, you, can if also you build a box. The, yeah. Yeah, you build a box that goes over it. It looks That's like it's oh, a. Right, right, it, yes, I know what you're saying. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, it looks like a solid piece of wood, but it's actually a box that that sits on the French cleat. Right. Yeah, yeah, so. you're absolutely yeah. right. Yeah, you could hide yeah. the whole thing. That is way smarter than those metal kits, because it's always thin, thin gauge steel in there, and it looks chintzy, like it's gonna bend. <laughs> yeah, but no, I, I, I think that's what they're all. they're designed for. And I'm sure if you read somewhere on the package, it has a uh, a weight limit too on there. You know, not three to pounds. exceed. Yeah. yeah, not to exceed three pounds. The weight of itself. <laughs> You guys, I don't think we talked about our topic at all, but we had an amazing conversation. No, we didn't. I'm pretty sure this was the topic. Basic. Failing third Design. grade? Failing. Yeah, no, I think I think so. I mean, look, equals roundup. You know, we did it. Woo. Yeah, yes. I don't, I don't, you know what? I'm starting to not like roundup now, and I have to use it professionally, but I think there is some truth to that whole, it's not good for the environment. It's poison. It's, it's. 
trap. It's just poison that you spray in the ground. Of course it is. It's designed to kill things. <laughs> but, take them seriously. I know um, I shouldn't listen to them. But. Who did we get in it? We didn't get a, a review this week, did we? I'm uh, I'm opening it right now to see if we did. No, no new review. So that means they have to listen to us complain tisk, about the fact tisk. that there's no. Yeah. Bill, I think they want to get the business from you. Go ahead, give them the guilt trip. Oh, you know we don't need to guilt anybody. I I think if people have decided to just not care and be self-centered <laughs> and really throw us, you know, on the bottom pile of, of podcasts that wish they were, that's fine. I mean, I don't want to take that freedom away from anybody. Tim, how <laughs> long does it take to actually do a review? I mean, I feel like it takes several hours. Is that true? Uh, no, you know what? It's funny you should ask, Phil, but it's not true. I could actually just do a review right now as we speak, I bet. Am I logged in? Here, let me write a review right now. And it's already yeah. done. <laughs> it's... It's great. Oh, this is my old review. Because <laughs> <This is my laughs> I had already written a review when we first started the podcast. So this is my review that I wrote on November 10th of 2015. Title, It's Great. Oh, I did one of those. And then I wrote, I think it's great. And I'm not just saying that because I'm one of the hosts. I know it's great because my mom told me so too. So, so that's my current review that's up there. Genius. Yeah, and and, and correct me if I'm wrong, but it's incredibly difficult uh, to actually write a review uh, given the fact that we have a link on our website to it. Is that true? Well, you know, the hard part of that is to find our website. What's our website address again? I believe it's the name of the podcast and the word podcast. So it's reclaimedaudiopodcast.com. Hey, now that you, you mention it, Tim, it's actually super easy to do all of this and takes almost no time whatsoever. And if you cared even one iota about keeping us on the air, you'd get your butt over to the computer and write us a review. So please and thank and you. And I, I would like to say that... Um, I'm not really sure what an iota is, but it sounds like a simple thing. It's a very little thing. Very oh, simple, like small thing. It's like Roundup, but it doesn't kill anything. <laughs> it's, their, it's their awful, less effective competitor, yeah. iota. It's basically just water. I don't know. It just yeah. Everything grows when you pour it. It's such a waste. It's like saline. Yeah. <laughs> saline. Um, okay, well, that segment was easy. What's next? Uh, yeah, tips. Oh, tips. No. Who has a tip this week? Anybody got a tip? I think I, I think I gave just a tip last week. You did? All right, I got a tip. I got a tip. Uh, we probably said it before, but I want to make sure. So since we're not getting our money's worth with reviews, maybe. Anyway, um, yeah, give let's us, see. Give a bad tip. No, this <laughs> is a, it's actually it's a really good tip. <laughs> and the reason I'm saying this is because somebody recently uh, saw this on one of my um, – uh, one of my tools and said, oh, hey, that's a great idea. But it's it's about using magnets of any kind, especially like on drill presses and lathes. You put a magnet there and that's what holds your chuck key. Mm, oh, yeah. I do that all over the place. I have them. Yeah. I, have, I Use take a magnet. speakers. You know, the, yep. like, like four inch speakers, all those old speakers and you get a junkie stereo off the side of the road because they have a basket shape to them. So I put it. Yeah. I just I can just aim for the basket. Well, it's funny because you go to you go to the box stores now and you see all these different uses for magnets where they have a wristband that you can throw your screws on. They have little um, dish metal dish with a yeah. sand fabric thing that that's stable that has magnets yeah. in it, so you can throw that's your so screws cool. in it. Yeah, I know it's just it's just funny. Did you ever see that um that belt clip one that I made out of my broken tape measure? I made a video a couple years ago, I think. I I had this ah. big it was like an inch inch and a half diameter 
from the when I was doing those uh, those adventure or the mystery room things, it was this really super thin, super strong neodymium magnet. So I buried it into these pieces of veneer. I had some veneer left over from the job. So I, I, I cut a very thin piece of wood, routed it in, it's like the eighth inch thickness of the magnet, put a piece of veneer over it, and then I, I stuck my, um, I had a broken tape measure, I took the clip off it, and so I could clip it to my belt and just throw stuff on it on my belt. It was just like a little fun idea I had. And um, someone wrote to me and was like, hey, can you make me one? And I was like, <laughs> I was like I don't know, it was just a silly idea I had. And they're like, oh, I really want one. So I said, what's your address? I just mailed it to them. I do remember watching one of your videos, though, where you took a probably one of your bandanas and you wrapped it around a magnet. And then while you were denailing the pallet or something, you threw all the oh, nails at that. Bag. Then when you were, yeah. yeah, then when you're done, you just unwrap the magnet from it and all the nails are right there. That was pretty good. That was a viewer comment because uh, I, I always put one of those magnets there when I'm denailing pallets and I just throw the nails against it or, or I'll take my hammer and just like kind of drag it over it so it's far enough away so the hammer doesn't stick but the nail grabs. Um, mm -hmm. And then, so I did, I would do that and then I would scrape them all off with my hands and throw them in my bucket. And someone p made that comment to me once, said, put a, put a plastic shopping bag over it and then you can just turn the bag inside out and all the nails are in it. And it's, uh, it works great. I've been doing it ever since. All right. Here, here's, here's a tip along with okay, magnets. Um, magnets. Okay, go ahead. Do yours and then I'll do my last one. Um, when you're in, Phil, this would be good for you to know when you, uh, when you're welding, you get those uh, red triangle magnets for corners. Yeah. What you're going to end up with is a whole lot of metal mm -hmm. dust all over it. The easiest way to get rid of that is to use either a brass or a stainless steel wire brush. And you quickly flick that off into the garbage can because people, it's, it's like, ah, you, you use a rag or something, try and wipe that magnetic dust off of there and it still stays there but if you use a non-magnetic wire brush to flick it off in the into the garbage can that'll clean your welding magnets just saying or air or air compressor compressed air does it too if you have a good compressor yeah if you want to just blow all that crap in the atmosphere that we're trying to breathe clean air tim come on man. the planet footprint tim, it, footprint you blow it into the garbage can where you threw the roundup yeah but then all the other dust is flying out of there hot tip hot tip <laughs> Put it with the roundup. Um, now the, wire, the brass brush <laughs> is the better way to do it. I uh, use a magnet when I'm putting my uh, dust collector bag back on. So I'll use oh, the magnet yeah. on the far side. And then oh. so it holds up on the far side. And then I could, because you know it's got that awful ratchet thing in the front. To, yeah. Anyway, so I find it really That's difficult. That's exactly. I, I got a tip about that one time, and I use that every time now. I did too until I lost the magnet, and then I just never got another one. <laughs> So one last thing about magnets is just uh, just to round this off so Phil can give his thing. At work, we have these great big four-foot-long um, channel iron, right, that have these huge magnets in them with chains on it. And we've had them there forever, and inside my shop is a metal shop, so these are stuck to the wall. They're, I mean, really hard to get off. You can imagine this gigantic. And there's two of them. Sure. And I... And they've always been there, and I'm like, I don't even have no idea what these are for or what they were for. And finally, I asked somebody, so way back in the day, maintenance used to take and hang those magnets off the bumper of their truck, and they'd be like an inch off of the pavement. And then they'd drive up and down the runway yeah. to collect any any metal or screws that might be when planes are landing, like get a, you don't, because planes get a flat tire anyway, it's bad. Yeah. Yeah. That's what they were for. Apparently, we have you know like street sweepers now. We don't need to use these magnets, but I can just imagine. I want to do that job. I just want to kick back I and drive like two miles an truck. hour. I want to put one on my truck and just see what's there when I get to work every day. You know, 
Oh, it's like it's like a metal detector. You never know what you're gonna find. <laughs> no, but they have them for construction sites for post-construction cleanup. They kind of look like a broom, a except it's a it's a magnet. Yeah. And yeah. it's to clean up nails and stuff. Oh. But I want the giant four foot long one that I can. Yeah. Drag I don't think it, I think it would weigh more than your truck. That's the problem. I, yeah, I, your I, truck, I, the I front wheels will come off the ground. <laughs> well, there's two of them. You can put one on the front and one on the back. Then I won't be able to go. I'll just be stuck. <laughs> yeah. There's a. That's the golden ratio. You balance it out. So but right. He's gonna get about, stuck on a manhole cover. It's all about <laughs> <laughs> but how awesome would that be? <laughs> He's yeah. gonna get stuck on a manhole cover. Why won't oh, this thing man. go? Bats, <laughs> well, get out and push. Are spinning. What? <laughs> That's really funny. Thank you. Uh, oh, look at what that. Your attention this week, Tim Sway. You go. Um. Uh, Paul Jackman, Zach, Zach from ZH Fabrications and Graz from Graz Makes are starting yeah. a podcast. No. Uh, yep. And um, it's called AskCast, and the premise is is that you you there's a phone number you call. It's like eight one eight AskCast or whatever. I don't know. I'm not going to tell you that because I don't know it. But if you if you find it's AskCast podcast on Instagram, AskCastPodcast.com. And so the premise is is that I know it's hard to say. I think they did that on purpose too. But uh, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> they're funny guys. But. Uh, yeah. They, they, I think they started the podcast just to get me to say ask cast. Yeah. <laughs> so, I see how hard you're trying to enunciate. I know. First thing I'm, first thing I'm thinking of is what did you fall down on to have to go to the doctor to get an ass cast? <laughs> exactly. Well, the wrong question, I guess. Well, <laughs> yeah. the, the, the premise is, is that you, you call in and ask any questions you have, whether they're maker related or or not, and they'll answer them. Um, and you know, oh, and man. so. And so I heard a test recording of this podcast that Paul sent to me. And so what I'm saying now after hearing the test recording, because this is before they've actually started getting calls, you know, is they need people to call them. <laughs> so it's probably if a this fairly po- boring podcast otherwise. So if this podcast is going to be successful, it, it, it's really up to you to call. Um, because I, I, think, I think the premise of the show is really good. Um, and I would like to see it be successful. Uh, so um, go ahead and just call and ask ask either a serious or a dumb question, and um, and give them some fodder to put this uh, show together. You know, is it going to be uh, like a live? So when you call in, you're on the air asking the question. No, it's going to be pre-recorded, so they can actually kind of arrange. You know, so you would call if you call the number. There's a recording machine that you just record your message, and then they'll play your voice, your recording on the show, and then answer it. So it's not live. Right. Oh, so it gives them some opportunity to, so they can. But I mean, but it is like you. It's not interactive so much as it is. At least you can feel included. No, yeah. no inclusion whatsoever. You, yeah, no, yeah gonna, you hear your voice. They're gonna, they're gonna digitally distort your voice and change your name. Right. So. So, okay, that was it. Is there a limit to how many times I'm allowed to call? Let's find uh, out. Yeah, I, I think we should. I, I dare Let's you find to find out. out. <laughs> All right. We'll talk. We'll talk later. We'll talk later. Give me the number. You know those those robot dialers that everybody you, know, you get the robot calls all the beep, time. Boop, 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 boop. <laughs> oh, I'm old school. I'm <laughs> calling. I'm just gonna call. Uh, too funny, <laughs> Bill. What about you? You know what? I I found something that caught my attention that allows me to talk about guitars and two of my <laughs> favorite makers. And it's a it's a it's a YouTube channel that I've actually. Can, can I, I guess who your I, makers are? Uh, yeah, go ahead. 
Um, Macromona and, and April Wilkerson. April yep. Wilkerson. Yeah. Yeah, and they're they're I, I'm assuming they're at um, Maker Central because they're at at Crimson Guitars. And this guy has a video channel that I've watched many times and he's he's funny. He's he's got that proper English accent, but he's standing there, he's bald headed, and he's got like this flame tattoo on his bald head. But he but he's like he wants to offer you a cup of tea at the same time he looks like he could like rip your head off. Um, but a lot of great information just about some basics of, of guitar making, but it's a real business and everything. So Matt and April are at this actual company making guitars. It's amazing. So check out cool. Crimson Guitars. Also look on Instagram if you follow Matt and April, which I'm sure everybody does. And um, you can check out their what's going on for Maker Central. I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna go next year or the year after. I'm going to Maker Central. It's gotta happen. I've never been out of the United States. That's got to be a safe place to go where I can get hugged by a bunch of foreign makers. Yeah. Yeah. Do I have to stop talking now? I think I think Triton Tools is involved with that because I just caught that on the Triton's um, Instagram yeah. feed, like their their whatever those are called the stories. Well, April's been April's been on. a Triton uh, partner for both of them. years now. Yeah, yeah. yeah both of them work yeah. Triton. Yeah, yeah, it's pretty cool. I saw them; they were there in there, and uh, I can't wait to see the finished guitars. Matt's looks beautiful from what I saw. On the well, story. they they did the fret markers as bow ties, like you know, you would do bow yeah. ties to for split wood. I'm like, yeah. no, that's awesome. Made out of like yeah. a, a pearlescent, whatever. Using a little tiny like a Dremel tool for a, a router. They're routing out the little bow ties with the Dremel tool. And the- my my guess would be they use uh, real mother of pearl inlay, but what uh, I tend to use is more like mother of toilet seat is what they call it. <laughs> <laughs> it's an actual thing you can google it it's like mother of toilet seat is what the plastic yeah, yeah. guard material is called that's hysterical i'm uh, sorry phil we talk uh, about guitars no no it's fine that's that's super fun um <laughs> we'll grab my attention this week uh, electronics drones yada yada let's move on um <laughs> our channels on instagram twitter and youtube i'm phil pinsky check out ironandsoul.com WilliamLutz.com, TimSway.net, NewPerspectivesMusic.com. Contact us for show topics, suggestions, feedback, all that good stuff. We love hearing from you guys, honestly. Um, you can hit us up on email, info at ReclaimedAudioPodcast.com, or on Twitter at ReclaimedAudio, on iTunes. All kidding aside, we really do need these things, so let's get that done, please. Uh, there is a link on our podcast, ReclaimedAudioPodcast.com. Just click it, opens up iTunes, leave anything you want to say as long as you click five stars. Patreon.com slash Reclaimed Audio. Very, very good way to keep these three schlubs on the air uh, heading into, uh, I think, our third year or whatever. So let's, let's uh, well, huge thank you to everyone who has, and thank you in advance to everyone who will. And I'm Absolutely. Out of our, heading out of our third year now. Really? I mean, yeah, yeah we've got, figure 50 a year, right? We're at 180. Holy we're going to start our fourth year soon. Yeah. Wow. Well, this is like this is like a serious relationship, guys. This is like yeah, like I'm thinking about moving in. I'm gonna give you a key to my apartment. I was thinking about moving out, actually. <laughs> I like where see, and here, here I was we're thinking not, we're not on the same page. We're getting a key to Phil's apartment. That means he's. Are you like our kept guy? You have your own little apartment that your wife doesn't know about. No, it's really more of a metaphor. I'm not giving you an. Key to my house. It's a metaphor. So it's like we're that oh. back door. That's how far back door, front door. Relationship. Back door. Hey, when are you when are you come when are you come in California? By the way, um, looks like first week of June. Perfect. 
I'll see you then. Oh, wait, that's right. You blew me off. Yeah, okay, never mind. I'll just sell your welder. <laughs> why, do you, why do you treat me like this? Why do you do this to oh. me? You know, you know I'm trying. I'm trying, Timothy. <laughs> I'll let you play with my welder if you want, Phil. <laughs> I do want that. Okay, all right, deal. Um, in the meantime, I think the rest of this conversation can be had off air. Uh, have yeah. a great week, everybody. Oh, definitely. We will talk later. Okay. <laughs> Bye, everybody. Be good. Not you, Phil. Okay. <laughs>